You worshiped with us, now preach with us, please, please. And will you all do the same over here? Uh, the drummer's going to, and the piano player's thinking about it. Oh, he's with me, all right. I have to kind of get after him once in a while. It's a rough job, but somebody's got to do it. Don't you appreciate the music here? Don't you really? I praise God for the music. Glory to God. It makes such a difference in worship, and I praise the Lord for that. This is Revive Us. Somebody say amen. This is not awake. This is a celebration. This, you're the core of what's coming to this church. You say, what well, I mean, Pastor, what's coming? Stick around and watch what God does with this core. This place is going to be filled with his glory and filled with people. And you're the ones who are getting the first honey off the honeycomb right now. And I'm so glad I'm part of it. Aren't you glad you are? Would you stand to your feet with me one more time? And I want you to lift your hands to Jesus right now and say, God, give me everything that you possibly have for me tonight. Fill me, God, with everything that you can fill me with. Give me every bit of your glory, all of your praise. We give to you and we worship you, but God, fill us tonight, I pray. Breathe on us, Holy Spirit, and revive us as we go into this great end-time message and this new end-time work you've given us. And we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. And would you join me in welcoming Pastor Benai Snyder as he's coming to us. Amen. We got any volume? I think he's going to be adjusting it, but tonight's different. I, I, for me, I can just feel a trembling inside me. And it's, it's nothing that, I think it's just seeking the Lord and having total dependence, saying, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I can't do anything without you. And so as we get into the word tonight, it was confirmed this morning. And pastor, we don't talk about sermons. We don't talk about what we're going to preach. The only one who knew about what I was going to preach was Pastor Will because I told him the night before, and as soon as Dad started venturing into my topic, I looked at Will, and he looked at me. I said, I hope he don't hit my points. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Second Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to read the word, then we're going to start diving into it. And I'm in the New King James Version. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahoyah, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab. Then David and the house of Israel played music before the Lord and all kinds of instruments and harps, and on strings, instruments, and tambourines, and sistrums, and cymbals. And when they came to Nach 
John's threshing floor. Uzzah put his hand on the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord arose against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God, and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of that place Perez Uzzah, for to this day, David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of God come to me? Revive us is, is something that we're not creating. Revive us is something that we're not trying to produce anything. Revive us started whenever pastor's been feeling it a while. And then the Lord put it on my heart. And I had to do a study on it in school. And I got, what, it, what, it, what it came down to is I was seeing my children. And I was seeing what they were having to face day in and day out. Not only at school, but on social media and, and all the things that they're having to battle day in and day out. They say bullying is even more intense. They have to face bullying on a daily basis. They have to taste the ridicule of, of friends and, and even some of teachers. And so you see this being played out in their young lives. And, and I, started, I started looking and I was thinking, Lord... I don't know what I can do. I don't know. And then I, I started thinking back on my childhood and what my father did. And he sought the Lord. He sought the Lord for revival in our church. He prayed and he fasted. He prayed and he fasted. Mom would even become, ang not angry, but worried because he wasn't eating at all. Because he was so desperate. And what happened? His desperation, his heart, his, his desire for more of God started in him. And then it spread throughout the church. And we went in a, a revival that lasted a year. Every night we were in church. till almost one o'clock in the morning. Us kids. And then we would get up and go to school and not be tired. And we got to see miraculous signs and wonders. And it's not about that. But it's something that's the evidence of the presence of God. The first thing I remembered as I started thinking back is, is he would be preaching. And all of a sudden, people would just start running to the altar, just crying and falling down. And, and, and it was the conviction of God. You can't be in the presence of God and not have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if you have sin in your life, the Holy Spirit starts just drawing you like you can't even, you can't even stop it. And so I, I started thinking back on all this, and I was thinking, Lord, my kids, they need this. They need what I had. How can, how can I give them something less? What can they have? So I started seeking the Lord. And I started praying and I started seeking the Lord. And then the Lord gave me this revive us. And tonight's the first message that he gave me. 
And I'm going to go right with it. What, whatever he says to do, I'm going to do. And so tonight, the topic of the message is, will you welcome his presence? Will you welcome the presence of the Lord? We, we, we live under the new covenant, but something they teach whenever you're studying in school is anytime you want to understand the new covenant, you look at the old covenant because you get explanation. And so we look at the Holy Spirit and his manifestation in, in the church and, and, we, and we say, well, well what, how did they get here? How did they, how did they get there? And so I, I went back and to this passage. And it, it begins to lay out everything. And the first thing that I started realizing is the church in general, I'm not saying our church, but the church in general, is preaching a social gospel. It's preaching a social gathering where people come in and they, they get to just visit and have fun and and I'm not saying anything against coffee because I love coffee, but they have coffee bars and they have different things. And I love coffee. I love a coffee bar. I'm not, but that's just one of the things. And, and here's, what the, here's, what, here's what they started doing. They started saying that sin is okay. They started calling what is not holy, holy. And so whenever we start walking into this, we're not, what, what are we doing with the temple of God? What are we doing with the temple of God? How can we have revival? How can we have revival if we're, if we're focusing on this? Because the very act of sin is what separated us from God. From before the time began, it was established that Jesus would be the atonement for our sins, the, the abolishment. As far as the east is from the west, he would remove it. There had to be a sacrifice. And if we want to understand sacrifice, we need to go to the Old Testament. We know to go to, the, to this passage of Scripture and understand it in and, and all its ways. The power and the presence of God is something that we have to treasure. The power and the presence of God is something that we can't get focused on the works because that's the very thing that stopped the revival. In America, we were, we were going through revival, then, then we started focusing on the works and we stopped focusing on the presence. The very thing that we needed, we stopped because pride and our way of thinking became higher than what he was wanting. And an elevation of self became a stepping stool for men and women who started working their own agenda. And that's when revival stopped. And there's been little pop-ups here and there, but where is the revival? You see, in Acts chapter 2, we get a very good understanding of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, there were 120 gathered in the upper room praying and seeking the Lord. And like a wind came down and tongues of fire over their head. And, and Peter preached a message. And he said, 
These men and women are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour. But just as the prophet Joel proclaimed, in the last days, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men will dream dreams, and your old men will have visions. And so whenever we, 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 we look at that, and, and this is where, where I started, starting to just, you, you have to start wrestling with stuff in your heart whenever you don't understand. Because I started saying, if he proclaimed that this is the last days, where are we now? If this is the last days, we should still be in a continuance of the upper room. We should still be having an outflow of the Holy Spirit. And so I started stepping back and going, where did we go wrong? What happened? How can we get it back? We need this for our children now more than ever. We need this for our churches now more than ever. This is the last time. Where are those who will welcome the presence of the Lord? As we, as we start looking at the presence of the Lord in the Old Testament, we, we see it as the Ark of the Covenant. It's a box of wood that's overlaid in gold. And it has rings on each side. And it has angels of solid gold reaching over the mercy seat. And inside there's the Ten Commandments. There's the bowl of manna. And there's Aaron's rod that budded. If we go back and we start looking at the presence of God in the Old Testament, we only start seeing Jesus Christ in the New Testament. For he was flesh, but he was God. The wood represents his flesh. The gold overlay represents his deity. He thirsted, but his water is something when we drink we can never thirst again. When we start seeing the presence of the Lord, we start seeing the awesomeness and the power of his might. We start seeing how we should treat the presence of the Lord. You see, this, this passage of Scripture in 2 Samuel, it teaches us that one didn't know how to handle the presence of the Lord. One tried to do it his way, and one welcomed the presence of the Lord. So how does this relate in our lives? How does this passage of Scripture apply to us? The very presence of the Lord we can see in Exodus chapter 33 where the cloud would come down on the tent of meeting and his glory would fill the place and that's what we're going to go in next week. There's a difference between the presence of the Lord and the glory of the Lord. But first we have to welcome the presence of the Lord. And so whenever the cloud would come down we see the very manifest presence of the Lord. The Lord is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. But there's manifest presence of the Lord, just like in Acts chapter 2 in the New Covenant, the wind and the flame and the tongues. So how does this all apply? If we are to have the power of the Lord, we have to have the presence of the Lord. The ark signified the coming Messiah and was made by the very command of God. And God also 
gave instructions on how we're to handle the presence of the Lord. The manna represents the bread of life. He's our provision. He gives us our daily bread. What we need today, we might not need tomorrow. We'll need something different tomorrow. He gives us our daily bread. The law, he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. The rod of Aaron that budded signifies that you can have life. For he's the vine, we're the branches. If we understand that when we're in his presence, we have life and life abundantly, we can see that whenever Moses went up on the mountain, he was there 40 days and 40 nights and did not drink water or not drink water or did not eat for 40 days. That's the presence of the Lord. There's a passage that the Lord led me to whenever I started months ago looking over this, and it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 15. And it said, Now the Spirit of the Lord came to Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Now this is the point we need to understand. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. So that started my whole thinking. If I seek the Lord, if I seek the Lord, he will let me find him. If I forsake the Lord, he will forsake me. Ever since that moment, something started happening on the inside of me. I don't know what it is. I just know that something started happening to me and I started feeling different. I started having a little revival in here. Things started reading different from Scripture. I started seeing things different outside. The Lord started speaking to me in a different way. I started feeling Him in a different way. None of this is to boast. It's only revelation of what happens whenever you start seeking the Lord. It starts changing you. It starts moving you in a different direction you didn't even know. And whenever you press in, he says that when you press in, James says, if you draw close to him, he will draw close to you. Hmm, isn't it funny the correlation between everything? But for revival to come to the church... We have to do it his way. This is the most important thing. David had good intentions. Whenever David was crowned king, he said, Let not my eyes rest till I find the presence of the Lord. Let not my eyes rest. Let me not sleep. Let me not slumber. The ark of the Lord is something that, if we look at that whole transition... The time of Eli with Hopni and Phinehas, they brought sin into the tabernacle. What happens? The tabernacle, the, Eli's sitting there, he, re, he receives the news that Hopni and Phinehas are killed. He's still, he's still upright. Then they say, but the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. That's when he 
fell over, broke his neck because he was a heavy man. The ark of the Lord. The wife, whenever she was bearing the child, said, name him Ichabod. Where's the glory? That's the name. That's what it means. Where's the glory? Where's the glory of the Lord? It was in the Philistines' hands for seven months. Never think that God isn't God. When they brought sin into the tabernacle, he went to the enemy's camp. Because he knew that he could bring something about in them. Seven months. I think it was over 50,000 died. Dagon fell over. They propped him back up. Fell over again. Sheared his head. Sheared his hands. Boils broke out. The Philistines said, get this thing away from us. Get this. We can't tolerate it. So it goes back to Abinadab. And it was there for 20 years. And it says that Saul never inquired of the Lord. Saul never inquired of the Lord. Are we inquiring of the Lord? Because there's this thing that happens where Whenever we start thinking that we can just do things in our way, in our power, he seeks the witch. He goes to a witch. He doesn't even go to the Lord. How does that correlate with us? How many times do we go on our own abilities thinking that we can do it? We can do it our way. I'm not going to seek the Lord. I can, I can, I can go seek counsel from someone else and then we see whenever David comes to the throne a man hungry for the things of the Lord just as we are hungry for the things of the Lord but he tries to bring it back how the Philistines took it that's the church we are in today people are leaving the church for entertainment People are leaving the church because the gospel message is too harsh. And so what does is, what is the church do in return? They try to bring the people back on the same cart it leaves in. They started saying, you know what, we'll, we'll just tone down the gospel message. We'll make it okay for sin to happen. You know, they mean well. It'll, it'll be okay. It'll work out in the end. And then they, we, we, they started saying, hey, guess what? We can, we can, have, we can have some fog machines brought in. And we can have some fancy light shows, and uh, we're not even going to really touch on the gospel, but if we, if we, if we teach self-help, if we teach self-help, then we'll start bringing the people back. That's the same cart. That's the same cart. Don't be fooled. There's only one thing that draws people to church, and that's the Holy Spirit. In the Bible it says, he draws all men unto him. If we host the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit will start drawing men unto him. It's nothing that we do. We don't make performances. We don't bring in self-help preachers where, where they get to have a good feeling for 30 minutes and then walk out the same way they came in. That's a social gospel. 
David had a great idea and a new cart. He put on a parade. He put on a parade. Loud singing. Exuberant things. Saying, you know, we are going to bring the ark back. He had good intentions. He had a good heart. But he never sought how to transport the ark. In the Bible it says that the priest are to sanctify themselves through ritual purity. The priests are supposed to offer a sacrifice even before they get to carry the ark of the Lord. Why? Because the, the, the priest had to walk in unity. If you, if you ever have something and you're carrying it with other men, you know that you all have to step the same. There has to be unity in the house of the Lord. There has to be unity in the house of the leadership. There has to be unity in the house of the congregation. Because if, if, if we try to put it on a cart, we, we, we don't have to go through the ritual sacrifices. We don't have to sacrifice. But if we do it the right way, we have to sacrifice. If we do it the right way, then we have to to be in unity. It says in Acts chapter 2, they were in one room, in one accord. What, what, what does this mean to be in unity? It means to have a hunger so desirous of the Lord that it doesn't matter about anything else. And whenever we come in here with a desire for more of the Lord, more than anything else, our worship starts to change. Because we start lifting up one voice. We start lifting up one voice and one shout and one praise and then all of a sudden something starts happening in our midst because there starts to be a wind start blowing around. And the Lord starts moving and and all of a sudden we have this encounter with the almighty God. David had good intentions but then he came to a place where the chaff is separated from the wheat. It says that when they went by Nashon's threshing floor, there was a bump. A bump and a threshing floor will separate. The very act of the threshing floor is the separation in your life of what you don't need. If you, if, if you can't go through the crushing, if you can't go through the crushing then the Lord can't separate what needs to be removed in your life. You can't come to God wanting revival and holding on to sin. You can't come with a heart saying, you know what, I want one foot in the door and one foot out because, you know, I I want the Lord, but I also want my own desires, my flesh. You can't have revival without going through the threshing floor of God. One man didn't know how to hold the presence of the Lord. It was given instruction. You're not to touch the holy things of the Lord, lest you die. That's scripture. Abinadab and his sons had it for 20 years. 20 years and never sought how to handle the presence of the Lord. In the church of America... 
Are we learning how to move with the presence of the Lord? 20 years, they had it, and they never sought the Lord. And then we see where David became angry because he wanted to do it his way. He had, he had, he had pride. A good threshing floor will take care of pride. A good threshing floor will take care of whatever you're struggling with in your life. Because that's where God separates chaff from wheat. You get a beat out of you. I'm thankful for the threshing floor. I've been in it for about a year. And I can tell you, I've, I've had every bit of a beat. And there's still more to beat. There's never a part where there's not any. But Lord, it's crushed. Every bit of pride out of me. Because you can't have the presence of the Lord and have pride in your life. You can't transport the presence of the Lord on a cart. It won't happen. Because God will send a bump in your road. And that bump in the road serves a purpose in your life where it gets your attention. And it says that David stopped. And he says he took it to the house of Obed-Edom. Just imagine what that was like. You have 30,000 Israelites. You had loud trumpets and cymbals. And all of a sudden everything went quiet. And then you hear a knock at your door. And they say, would you mind hosting this in your house? And you look out the door and you're still seeing the dust of Uzzah. And you're thinking, the very thing that killed him you want me to have? But let me tell you something. When you have the fear of the Lord, it'll cause you to do something. And Obed-Edom, he said, stop, stop everything. I can only imagine. You have the king, you have 30,000 people, and you have the Ark of the Covenant. And they say, we, we want to put it in your house. You know what he probably did? Probably the same thing I do. Where's the Torah? Where's it at? And I'm going to study this thing, and I'm going to figure out how I'm supposed to the presence of the Lord. How am I supposed to host the presence of the Lord? And I can imagine the first thing he did. He said, we're purifying our home. We're purifying our home. And I, 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 if I were guessing, I would say he probably found the choice bull, the choice lamb, the choice whatever they had at the time and he brought it and he offered sacrifice to the Lord. How do you, how, how do I know that? Because of what happens in return. Whenever you start sacrificing to the Lord and you start treating the Lord with honor and with praise and with thanksgiving, it says the Lord started blessing their house and all that they had. Will you host the presence of the Lord? Will you host him in your life? Will you host him for your family? Will you host him 
for this church? What does it require? It requires sacrifice. It requires a threshing floor. When David heard that the house of Obed-Edom was being blessed, he says, I want that. There it is. There it is. What, what are they doing? And so you see something happen in David's heart that you go, he caught it. Because it says that he gathered the Levites and they sacrificed and sanctified themselves. And it says that they went and they loaded it on shoulders how you're supposed to transport the presence of the Lord. And it says that they would go six paces and they would sacrifice an ox and they would sacrifice a fatted calf. Six paces. Sacrifice. Six paces. Sacrifice. Six paces. Sacrifice. The presence of the Lord was brought to Jerusalem with a trail of blood. Imagine that. It says it was 30 paces from Obed-Edom's to Jerusalem. That was over 5,000 oxen. That was over 5,000 fatted calves. That means the very procession that they were leading, they had that many behind them because they would go six paces and then they would sacrifice. Revival comes in on the sacrifice Revival comes in on the sacrifice of the saints. Will you host the presence of the Lord? And then we see something happen whenever he starts coming to Jerusalem and he starts dancing. Because he's having the presence of the Lord in his life. And they said, oh, what, 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 what do you got going on, David? What do you got going on? And he said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. They said, David, where's your pride? It was sacrificed at the threshing floor. Why, why are you dancing? He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my strong tower. In him, I will go. Why are you dancing, David? Because I know whenever we have the presence of the Lord, ain't no enemy going to stand in our way. When we have the presence of the Lord, it doesn't matter what adversity is coming our way. It doesn't matter what we're having going on in our lives. Whenever we have the presence of the Lord, it says that He is with us and He will never forsake us. When we sacrifice to the Lord, it says that He will be with you if you're with Him. Will you host the presence of the Lord in your life? Will you? It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people think. If you have the presence of the Lord in your life, that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter who's watching you dance. The only one that matters is the one you're dancing to. And whenever I, whenever I started thinking about that, I started thinking, Lord, I can feel it coming in my house. I can feel it coming in our church. I can feel it coming because it doesn't matter what I want anymore. It doesn't matter what I, what I need anymore. All I need is him, more of him. 
I need the Lord in my life. If we come before him with sacrifice and walk in that unity of the Levites, we will have revival in this church. We've had two prophetic words, given. We've had two words, given. What does that mean for me? It means that if I set my eyes on him, he's already got a promise. It's already there. He prophesied it. For it is yes and amen, every word that comes from the Lord. And so all I have to do is i got, I got to start seeking and start understanding that it doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people are going through. If I have revival in my heart and I have revival in my house, I know that the river's coming. The river's coming. And, and Ezekiel says it starts at the ankle. And then it starts at the knees. And then it goes to the hips. And then it overtakes you. That's the presence of the Lord. How do we get there? How do we get there? I, I want to say something. And I want you to take this absolutely serious in your life. If you have sin in your life. If you have sin in your heart, that's the first thing that has to be repented of. You come to the Lord with repentance. You can't go to the presence of the Lord with sin. You can't. There's a separation. He's holy. He's righteous. You consecrate your house. The first thing you do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, where he goes, I will go. Where he dwells, I will dwell. Where he calls me, I will follow. As for me and my house, it's that devotion to the Lord. The path is laid out. What it takes is us coming before the Lord, saying it's not by might, not by power. We can't bring this in on a cart. We can't bring this in on good intentions. We can't bring this in thinking that we can make it happen and set this grand thing. No. This thing's going to come in on sacrifice. This thing's going to come in on the tears. This thing's going to come in on the blood sacrifice of us saying, Lord, cover us with your blood. We repent before you. If we understand what is in front of us, it doesn't matter what we have now. It's all worth it if we experience the presence of the Lord. My dad had a dream when I told him about revive us and setting our hearts to him. He said, son, he said, uh, the Lord gave me a dream, and I want to tell you about it. He says, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it entails. But he says, in your church, you're in revival. And he said, there was drug addicts starting to come in, and they were coming in through the doors, and they were running to the altar. And he said, conviction was gripping them in such a way that the power of God was flowing all over him. 
And he said, the drugs started weeping out of their pores. And he said, you had to put blankets around them because if someone else would touch them, then they would get it on them. And he says, son, I don't know what it means, but I, he said, I know that the Lord gave me this. He said, I know the Lord gave me this. And then we had the prophecies. And we have all these things happening in order. And, and, we're, and we're stuck in this place saying, God, if you've promised it, if we know that you are with us, if you know that this isn't about us, but it's about you saving the lost, because I want to tell you something. You can't have the presence of the Lord and not break for people who are not saved. You cannot have the work of the Lord and not be burdened to the point of crushing for those who are lost. It says that you pull them out of the fire. Rescue them. It's not something that we can do. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will begin the work. But it takes us coming in line saying, we're not going to bring this thing in on a cart. Revive us is only, only a name. It's only us saying we're giving this time to the Holy Spirit and his work. Nothing more, nothing less, no intention. We're not bringing it in on a cart. We're not trying to make this grand thing. We're saying, Lord, have your way in this place. We're saying, Lord, we're going to study the scripture and we're going to do it how you said to do it. We're going to sacrifice ourselves. There it is. Sacrifice ourselves. We're going to walk in unity. And whenever that happens, you'll start feeling it. Because I've felt it. I know the feeling. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was at youth camp. And we, we, we were not even singing. It was altar time. And the very thing that was prophesied happened. The evangelist was up teaching. And he had the discernment to say, everyone stop. He wasn't teaching on baptism of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't teaching. He was teaching on conviction. He was teaching on repentance. And in that big auditorium, I was standing here at the stage, and I heard it over here. And I looked, and kids my son's age started wailing and speaking in tongues and going out in the spirit. And it washed over that whole place like a wave. It started, and I saw it coming. And I didn't, I was, Lord, and That's the river that was prophesied two times by our prophet. That is the presence of the Lord. Man can't do it. Man can't create nothing. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Will you host the presence of the Lord? Will you be ready at your door? Will you be ready at your door?
Will you sacrifice yourself? Will you repent of your sins? That's the, that's the, that's the first step. That's the first step. We have to come to that place of repentance. It doesn't happen any other way. Hosting the presence of the Lord will forever change you. It says that Obed-Edom followed his sons and daughters served the Lord. It says that they were musicians and worshipers. They were the gatekeepers. They went to Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem because they experienced something in their home that forever changed them. They experienced something in their home because their father said, it's, it's, it's about sacrifice. And they hosted the presence of the Lord. When they did, it was generational. When they did, his sons went to Jerusalem and served. It's recorded. The only thing that I desire in my whole life, the only thing is for my children to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's my only desire. I don't want anything else. I don't want anything else. Everything will pass away, but one thing remains the same. What I store up in heaven is what I'll have. I'm not building riches on earth. I'm not building riches that rust and fade away. My only desire is the children. Because I know, I've read it, I've studied it. If they experience the presence of the Lord, it forever changes them. If those in our in our communities experience the presence of the Lord, it'll forever change our town. It'll forever change everything. But it requires us doing it one way, His way, His way. Will you host the presence of the Lord? It begins with this. It begins with coming to the altar, the place of sacrifice. That's all the Lord said. He said the altar is made for sacrifice. So if you want to host the presence of the Lord, this isn't between me and you. 